Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Nailing the Apex. I'm Tim Haraney. Today on the show, we have a very special guest from Alfa Romeo Sauber F1 team. It's Alessandro Aluni Bravi. And now I know I've been talking about this interview now for the past few episodes. Alessandro was nice enough to give us some time during the Las Vegas Grand Prix. And we spoke about a number of uh, different topics, but most notably, we spoke about driver contracts because before Alessandro was big time in F1, he managed a lot of drivers and negotiated contracts for, for drivers in F1 and drivers in F2, F3, other categories as well. And this is a, a question that I, I get often on social media or folks emailing me or sending me DMs. It's about driver contracts and it is a challenging conversation to have simply because, you know, there are so many layers to it, so many layers to a driver's deal in no one racing driver's deal is the same as the next and the layers with, you know, sponsors, sponsorship, um, activations that they have to take part in the driver's time, uh, the time doing, you know, marketing and PR events, all of it. So he digs into that a bit, um, peels back some of the layers of the onion for us as well to shine a light on how some of these deals will sometimes work out. And yeah, I think you'll find it quite fascinating and hopefully it answers some of your questions as well that you've had for me over the past uh, year since we've been doing this podcast. Uh, plus, you know, we spoke about Audi and, you know, there were reports floating about that Audi was going to pull the plug on their deal with Sauber and not come in and participate in Formula One. But, you know, that isn't true. Like we had reported on this podcast a month ago, Alessandro did come out and squash the reports and the rumors of of Audi uh, potentially pulling out of their F1 deal with with Sauber. But as you'll hear in the interview, it sounds like all systems are a go and it's full steam ahead with uh, this partnership between the two between the two companies. Now, before we get into our chat, let's talk about Alfa Romeo uh, real quickly. I mean, the team in general this season, it wasn't the kindest to them. At the beginning of the year, you know, they welcomed in from McLaren, Andreas Seidel, um, who was manning the helm at that team um, at McLaren. He had, I believe it was three years left on his contract uh, with the team before he left. But, you know, he was offered a very lucrative position within Sauber Motorsports as their CEO and help with the company's move into this transition into um, this Audi Formula One team 
that we will see fully come online in 2026. Seidel has been a bit quiet since moving over to, to Sauber and taking everything over there. I mean, when he was at McLaren, very vocal, we always had conversations uh, with him throughout the season. McLaren always made him available because he was their team principal and uh, always gave a great interview as well. But he hasn't done many interviews since moving over to this CEO role in uh, Sauber. But behind the scenes, you know, he's also been, you know, making some moves. I think, like, for instance, he first appointed our guest on today's show, Alessandro Bravi, to the role of team representative. Alessandro is now, uh, at the moment, the face and voice of the team in the media. Uh, and I also think, you know, it allows Seidel time to make a decision on who he wants to appoint as his team principal moving forward with this organization. And, you know, I think Alessandro would be a good fit for that position. Now, whether or not that he's in the conversation for team principal for next season and into the future, that remains unknown. But aside from the executive roles, I mean, internally at the F1 team, Seidel brought over from McLaren, James Key, who left his position with McLaren way back in March, if you remember. Uh, you know, Key was was brought over to this team uh, to take over the role of technical director, uh, taking over the position of uh, Jan Mancho as well. So Key will play a pretty big factor in what happens with the development of the 2024 F1 car Seidel and key, you know, they also, they worked together in the past for many years with their time together at, at McLaren. And so now, you know, what is this uh, team going to be called next season? And we should hopefully have that answer Soon, I think, you know, since Audi is slowly taking over Sauber, Alfa Romeo, for them, they weren't going to be partnering uh, with a team that has that branding, which is a direct competitor on the OEM side of things as well. Alfa Romeo, Audi. Um, I think the deal between Sauber and Alfa Romeo it came to its conclusion at the final race of the season in, in Abu Dhabi. Well, I don't think I know. Um, these two were partnered together, you know, for six years and are now not coming back to F1. There were some conversations that Alfa Romeo could potentially return with Haas, but I believe the conversations that those two parties had, it was, it was short and quick. I think instead Alfa Romeo, well, they're reportedly – going to be looking at entering WEC in the future, and I think that's a really smart move um, by them uh, if it does come to fruition as well. Now, this year obviously was a struggle for the team. It didn't start off well, and it ended okay. I think everything you know, happening in the background stunted its growth on the racetrack. I thought both drivers performed uh, well with difficult 
machinery at times, but Volteri Bottas is pretty optimistic for next season with Sauber. I mean, set to potentially unleash an interesting car for 2024. Um, the team has come to its end with, with this year's car and I mean, you can't go really any further with it. And now, you know, James key there, he'll be putting this car in the trash bin by the sounds of things. And he'll want to put his stamp on next season's car as well. And he'll be the one heading this, this development in a particular uh, direction. I think for Bottas currently, you know, he spent a few days at the sim in the factory before flying out to the United States for some cycling down in California uh, here before Christmas. And I have a feeling, you know, he was testing what would be or what could be a 2024 design. And I'd be shocked if, you know, this design doesn't somehow emulate the RB19. I mean... Red Bull did such an incredible job with their car. I mean, you know, these teams, I think they're going to have to be looking at going in that direction uh, with the development. It really, it, you know, Red Bull really, you know, blew the doors off of everything when, you know, the start of the season came, came about and they've kind of blazed that trail of this is direction you have to take with your car development. There are teams out there that tried to go in different directions and failed. But I really, I really do feel the convergence will start to begin. Well, it's already begun, but we're really going to get a lot more convergence, I think, for next season. And I think Alfa Romeo is going to be one of those teams as well who will begin that convergence in the offseason. And it's going to arrive to the track with a pretty interesting concept. Now let's bring this back to the team principal position, which I had mentioned previously which you know this team still does not have i think there are some interesting options out there uh, i mean alessandro being one of them for sure i i would i would think and then you also have to take a look at um Omar safnauer i mean the past i would say the past few races that i've been to i've seen spoken spoke with Otmar once and at the united states uh, Grand Prix couldn't tell me why he was there. Fair enough. Um, but again, you know, Otmar does have a lot of experience as a team principal. Um, now, whether or not that's the position that he wants to still have is a, is an, is another question. Um, would love to get Otmar on the show and, you know, get his take on things. But another uh, candidate, maybe Mattia Bonotto, you know, I believe he's still on gardening leave. So could he be someone who could come in and be a team principal at, at this team for next season? I mean, depending on how long that gardening leave is, I would say, sure, why not? But I guess, it, again, like it all depends on what those individuals, you know, want to do. The thing is, is that there are not a lot of other people that are out there who could really just slot in and be a team principal who have that experience and whether or not Sauber wants to promote from within. I mean, that remains to be seen. It's such a big position. It's like, you know, it's a head, it's like a head coach of a NHL team or an NBA team or an NFL team. 
they kind of oversee everything on the racing side and business side of the racing side and you know the marketing the pr they they oversee everything right and they have to put people in positions of power and strength and it's a it's a big position um and it's a big position i think this team needs filled and we'll need filled for for next year for 2024 in las vegas you know i sat down with alessandro and we spoke about how he got into motorsports and you can judge for yourself if he has enough motorsports experience to helm an F1 team. And yeah, let me know in the comments what, what you think. I want to thank the team uh, and Alessandro for their time and the team for setting up this uh, for me. It was, it was great. I really enjoyed the chat. I hope you do as well. So here is our sit down interview with Sauber's Alessandro Aluni Bravi. Alessandro, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, I want to start with your your background and how you got into to motorsports and in particular Formula One. Yeah. But but first, you know, where's the, the passion for motorsports? Where does that come from? But you know, my passion for Formula One became started really really early when I was a child. For one reason, because I come from a small village in the center of Italy, no more than 2,000 people, so very, very small. But in that village, Passignano sul Trasimeno, there was a Formula One team that be, was in Formula One from 87 to 91, the Coloni Formula One team. And close to my house, there was the factory around 500 meters and at five kilometers, another circuit, circuit of Magione where they were in national categories racing there on a weekly basis. So I had the chance to get really close to motorsport and also high-level motorsport because of a Formula One team. And for me, Saturday, Sunday, I was always with my father at the circuit looking at you know, all the motorsport categories that were organized there. So for me, motorsport was something familiar, mm. although I always dreamed to be in Formula One, but I never thought that this would become possible one day. And then from there, you know, you've worked in a number of different parts of, of motorsports. Yeah. Uh, you have a degree in civil law. Uh, you, you were, I, I was reading you were involved in WRC for, for a while as yeah. well. I love WRC. I used to watch it as a kid all the time. What was that like? Like how, how did you go from, you know, getting civil law degree and then jumping into motorsports? Yeah. I'm still a lawyer <laughs> and you know I'm a general counsel of our group and I'm still drafting contracts so my background as a lawyer and I started as a lawyer and I get in touch you know thanks to you know this circuit that was around me or thanks to some other people with teams and drivers and I offer my service you know becoming their consultant and that time you know there was no one specialized in motorsport mm. If you need to do anything, you go to a normal law firm. But there was no one, especially knowing the English law, mm -hmm. that is the law of motorsport. Mm -hmm. So I started very young, you know, with my first clients, small uh, teams, uh, you know, junior drivers in the junior category, offering my services for free because I want also to get experience. Then I had the chance uh, through an Italian magazine, Autosprint, you know, to follow Formula One as a journalist. And for me, it was an opportunity to create my own network. So I spent two years as a journalist in Formula One 
in 2001 and 2002. And I had some good contacts. I started working for important uh, driver's management company. And at a certain point, I became team manager of a team, Coloni, yeah. that was in Formula 3000 International. Yeah. <coughs> Coloni and the second team uh, that was operated by Coloni, Red Bull Junior team. And I had the experience as a team manager, but always acting as a lawyer in mm. parallel. And then I had the chance to go to the World Rally Championship to be the general manager of the Italian round, the Rally Italia Sardinia. And that was a nice experience for me because it was the first time that the rally in Italy was moved from Sanremo, so the gravel and asphalt, to a new venue. And we create really from scratch a completely new concept for the World Rally Championship rounds. We brought the television for the very first time, organizing special stages for the TV. We organized this in Porto Cervo, so in the Costa Smeralda. Uh, thanks to a partnership with Colony Capital. So we wanted to have something really glamorous, a bit of concept like here in Las Vegas. Yeah. We need to bring something exceptional to the World Rally Championship that time. And so I've been for two years uh, the general manager of that round, traveling also all around the world to follow all the championship because I was also in the, in the rally commission. That's incredible. Uh, and then, when I stopped, you know, I created my own GP2 team. Yeah. That was in 2006. Uh, and this was another dream. I start from scratch. I never had a team before, but, you know, I have the experience to be a team manager of a GP2 team. So I started the Trident Racing that is still in Formula yeah. 2, Formula 3 and other category. With Eros Ramazzotti, was an Italian singer. Yeah. Clarence Sedorf that time was a football player with Milan, AC, uh, and another partner that is currently the owner of Trident Racing. And we spent three successful years uh, within Formula 2. Uh, the first year, we immediately won uh, three races. Uh, each year, from the second year, we won Monte Carlo. That is the most important race that time for uh, GP2. One with Pastor Maldonado, Venezuelan driver, and another with Mike Conway, uh, a British driver. driver. After that period, uh, Honda Motorsport called me to be the liquidator of all their racing activities in Europe out of Formula One, because Honda stopped in Formula One, if you remember, in 2008. They stopped a couple times and they came yeah. back. <laughs> And I was there uh, managing the Formula Master and N Technology because Honda was one of the shareholders of N Technology that has been the Alfa Romeo touring car team, works team for decades. And so I manage also big company because N Technology that time counted of around 200 people. Uh, you know, building all the Alfa Romeo for the World Touring Car Championship, uh, Fiat car in the rally, mm -hmm. you know, the Fiat mm -hmm. Punto, uh, S2000, many, many motorsport projects. And I, I knew in that role, Nicolas Todd. That was 2010. And Nicolas Todd, that was managing that time, Felipe Massa, asked me to join him and to help developing the business. And I was alone working with him. And then I spent uh, six years and a half with Nicolas. 
and uh, I think we, you know, we enjoy a, a great period because we went from having one driver to a lot of drivers because we appointed Jules Bianchi, then Charles Leclerc, yep. uh, it was Pastor Maldonado there, a lot of drivers. And for him, I also develop other business around. So, uh, Birel Art in karting, we started as our Grand Prix, a new karting manufacturer, and I would create this activity for him. Then we bought Birel, that was the second largest karting manufacturer in the world, creating Birel Art, and I've been following Birel Art for many years, but at the same time, I was managing drivers for Nicolas. So, at the end of 2016, I say, okay, now what I going to do? Or I stay with Nicolas for other six, seven years, or I started my own management, driver's management company. Mm -hmm. And this is what I did. I started with Robert Kubica, and we had this dream to go back to Formula One. And we have been working hard, and thanks to Robert's determination and talent, we, we achieved this important target. I had a Stoffel van Dorn, uh, that was McLaren driver for the following two years. I had one young driver that I took in karting, Christian Lungard, that is yep. now in IndyCar with the Ral Latterman racing, uh, financing all his career until IndyCar and other young drivers. So, but at the same time, you know, during my relationship with Nicolas, I was also taking care as a general counsel of Art Grand Prix where Nicolas was a, a shareholder together with Fred Vasseur. And so from 2010, I was always in contact with Fred Vasseur. When I create my own company, after six months, <laughs> Fred told me, I would like, Alessandro, that you join me in Sauber as a general counsel, like you do for me for Art Grand Prix or Spark, you know, the Formula E yep. chassis supplier. Yep. And so from 1st July 2017, I started together with Fred in Sauber, first as a general counsel, then becoming managing director of the group two years ago. And this year, uh, you know, with Audi coming, with our new group CEO, Andreas Seidel, joining the group in, in, uh, in January, uh, you know, they decided to give me the role of team representative in addition to my position of managing director. So. A lot of different experience. This means that I'm old, <laughs> not that I'm clever. <laughs> so, you know, the experience is just the sum of many mistakes. So it means that I've done a lot of mistakes <laughs> until now, and maybe I will do again. I don't a lot. think I don't think these are mistakes. Like you're a pretty successful uh, person. This is this is great. Um, touched on a couple different things there. I used, so I used to race in uh, Champ Car Atlantics, and I raced in the FIA GT Championship. Um, and so I, I know, I get a lot of questions from listeners who ask me a lot about driver contracts, and they are quite complex. Yes. For just the listeners, and I know you can't get into detail, but for the, for the listeners, can you just glaze over how complex a, a driver's contract can be? First of all, is the evolution of driver's contract in the last 10 years that is really ch changed a lot. Why? Because the activities where the driver are involved are wider. Mm. It's not just about driving or testing. You have all the promotional activities. You have all the activities at the factory. 
you have all your image rights, both in your private capacity and also in a team or racing context. Mm -hmm. So the aspect that must be regulated by contract are, you know, are really a lot. Mm -hmm. What I can say is that normally when we speak about a driver's contract, it's not one contract only, but we are used to split the activities and to have specific contract for the driving, so for the participation in the championship, and all the obligations of the team and the obligations of the driver. We have a testing a contract for all the testing activities, both on track and at the factory, simulator activities and so on. We have a promotional agreement mm. regulating all the image rights, uh, regulating all the activities we sponsor with partners, but also what the driver is allowed to do it in terms of promoting his own personal sponsor that cannot be, for instance, in conflict with the team sponsor. Mm. So you have always a set of contract that try to be really detailed. And then, of course, there is a fiscal side that needs to be taken into consideration, you know, because a driver goes racing around the world. So you have, a, have all the fiscal aspects that are important and impacting at the end uh, the revenues for the driver in terms of withholding taxes and everything. So we are used also to split the contract in order to have a proper apportionment of the fees according to the different activities and so different taxation. Ah. That's a, it's gotten a lot complex since I was last racing. That's, yeah. that's pretty incredible. But uh, remember one thing, because <laughs> this I, I'm used to say to all our person that works with our partners, with the sponsor and the part uh, that takes care about the partnership. Relationship goes beyond the contract. Yeah. What is important in a contract is the mutual trust. Yeah. A contract is important, but if there is no more trust between the parties, nothing can, you know, keep the relationship alive. Um, I only have a few more minutes left with you, but I wanted to ask you about Audi and yes. how is how is that coming along? How are they being, I guess, integrated into the team? Uh, will, will they, and this is into the future, but will they build their own engine outside, offside the, the, the campus or will they build it inside the campus? How, how does all that? So let me say, how much this is an exciting journey for all our group you know uh, audi volkswagen group is a premium brand audi is one of the top premium brands on, in the world and they decided to enter formula one as of 2026 for me this is the biggest news for formula one not just for sauber mm -hmm. group and i think that the impact in terms of image not just technology will be huge of course, uh, um, Audi acquired a minority stake into our Sauber Group in January 2023. They, there are steps uh, that are already planned and Sauber will, uh, Audi will take control of Sauber Group end of the 2026 season. We, you know, we are working like in a normal dynamic between shareholders. So Audi started his own engine department building state-of-the-art facilities in Neuburg that is close to Ingolstadt. They are headquarters. Uh, there are already around 350 people working there from different nationalities. Uh, we install all the dynamic engine testing bench. So the program is according to plan. And of course, we are in an important phase because, uh, you know, we are close to, you know, to finalize the power unit 
the new multi-cylinder engine uh, is on the testing bench already so it's a crucial phase this year and next year to be ready for 2026 there is a strong group uh, led by adam baker as ceo with uh, everything to you know to produce a, you know a competitive power unit on our side of course we have a plan together with audi to develop our structure we as a sauber are an independent team and we need to become a works team in within two years means that there will be a transformation process that will uh, impact all our departments we need to go up in terms of headcount we need to bring more technology in all the areas and there is a plan and we are working according to the plan and according to the governance that has been agreed between the shareholders for the next three years. Alessandro, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this. Have fun in Las Vegas. <laughs> and, uh... For me, fun will be to score points. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But every, here is amazing and I think Formula One set another benchmark for uh, Grand Prix venues. We have seen the open cer opening ceremony. Yeah. All the you know top parties that were there, the big show with the drones, the circuit itself is a first year. So as you know, for a, to judge an event, you need to wait two, three years. But what we have seen here is uh, already amazing. So I really think that we will enjoy uh, to be here Of course, there are some you know, constraints around for the logistics, but you know, this event brings you know, Formula One to the next level. Yeah, I agree with you. Thanks again for your time. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, big thanks to the team for uh, putting that all together. And also thanks to Alessandro for his time. Really did appreciate it. Really enjoyed the chat. Uh, we taped that on... I don't remember what day I taped that on. I think it was like a Friday heading into qualifying. Uh, it was in the evening. We were just, I was just getting to the track. So left the hotel, uh, walked all the way into the racetrack. The hotel I was at, actually, we were stationed quite close to the track, which was extremely, um, well, I should say we were, we were stationed quite close to the pit building, which was very helpful um, for for us to walk back and forth between track and hotel and, you know, didn't require a Uber or rental car, which was worked out really well. Um, hotel was quite reasonable too as well. Now that I remember. Um, but yeah, they walked over there. I think it was at like four 30 at night and we sat down and did our chat around five, five 30. I think it, I think it was had an espresso sort of got, got things uh got things going because we were on a different uh working time that's for sure um but yeah that was uh that was a, that was an interesting interview I really enjoyed it and yeah thanks again to the team for the time as well uh and thank you everyone for watching and listening really appreciate that um i am going to try and get back here next week with adam and jesse now hopefully i can wrangle them up and get us all together in a room and we can go over who we thought were the best drivers top 10 top 10 on the f1 grid this past season so 2023 
So I'm going to try and get the guys together and try and do that. Because we, we did something similar before the Canadian Grand Prix. It was in lead up to the Canadian Grand Prix. We had done we'd done a podcast similar to like what were our top 10 drivers you know, coming into the Canadian Grand Prix at that moment. And then Adam and I did some driver and team rankings, uh, gradings in uh, during the summer break. And so now, you know, I've I've had some time to make some notes. I've compiled my notes from throughout the season. And I think I've whittled down who my top 10 is. And yeah, I want to talk about that. So hopefully next week we can get them together and we can uh, we can get that one going. Uh, thanks very much, everyone, for uh, taking the time, listening, watching. Please head over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts. Write a review as it really helps us grow the show. You can watch past episodes, current episodes over on YouTube as well. You can follow me on social media at Tim Haraney. And we'll talk to you all later.